0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we've spent six weeks learning about prayer. I pray this morning as we spend some time practicing prayer that you would relieve some of the anxiety that we might have, that you would relieve some of the doubt, that you would help us become more comfortable praying to you and making it part of our everyday life. Lord, that the reality of your kingdom may be our everyday experience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So today is going to be different. That's why you have the pens and you've got the sheets of paper. Today... We're going to practice, but let me start off with this. The first ministry I was ever paid for was as a worship leader. It did not last very long, and you should be thankful that Aaron is the worship leader and not me. The second ministry I ever got paid to do was a college ministry. That one went a little bit better, but... I was at one point teaching on prayer in this college ministry. And we were at a church that was in a neighborhood. And so the parking lot, like homes backed up to the parking lot. And one of the guys who was on staff, his home was right there. And so we used his garage for our college ministry space on Sunday mornings. So for Sunday school, we just walk across the parking lot, go into his garage, and we'd use it. And it was all built out. It wasn't a car parking garage. It was built out. And I'm teaching on prayer. And we probably had at that point maybe 15, 16 college students. And I was teaching on the passage where Jesus is saying, don't babble. That God knows what you're asking for. You don't need to keep going on and on. And as I was teaching on that, I was trying to get it to the level of where all these college students were at. And I said, here's one of the things that I hear a lot from college students the word just, like every line said to God, Lord, would you just do this? Lord, just do, Lord, would you just? And I said, that word has no content. There's no meaning to it. It's babbling. It's it's not thoughtful. Part of what he means by don't babble is be thoughtful. Know what you're saying and what you're asking. And so we get to the end of the morning, and I asked one of our students, Peter. I said, Peter, would you close us in prayer? And Peter says, yes. He goes, Lord, would you just... Uh, Father, just... Uh, Lord, would you just... I can't pray anymore. It was so ingrained into that. And again, not thinking about it. Just there, just, you just say the word. What I want to do today is I want to think about what we're praying. But more than think about it, I want you to have an opportunity to practice. Right? And so here's how this is going to be different. I don't have a bunch of stories. I don't have a bunch of points. I am going to take you through the things we've been talking about. And then we're going to go, all right, here's one of the prayers that we were talking about. I'm going to give you a couple examples from the scripture. I'm going to give you an example that I wrote. And then we're going to stop. Aaron's going to play just so it's not totally dead silent in here. And you're going to have one to two minutes to write your own to practice these things and then take this home with you, Our mission is to equip and encourage. We want to equip you. I don't just want to give you a bunch of stuff. I want you to feel a little bit like you've kind of come in and you're being coached. And so you can take it away and start going, yeah, wait, I can do this. Not just listen to him do it and not just go, that was a great point, but do it. So that's what our morning is gonna look like. All right. Now, as we dive in, I want to review. All right, here's the primary points over all six weeks. If you kind of pull them all together, I'm going to summarize the six weeks. Number one, we pray out of relationship, not out of transaction. Far too often, prayer is seen as transactional. I'm doing something, God needs to do something now. If that's not working, maybe I should stop because God's not, it is relational, not transactional. Go back and listen to sermon one. Number two, we pray to our Father and we do it in humility and we do it by faith. Go back and listen to sermon two and three. We pray to our Father in humility and by faith. Number three, We pray through telling God about God, confession, thanksgiving, intercession, and genuinely sharing. And we're going to talk about all those today. You don't need to write those down because those are the ones we're doing today. And number four, we pray through unanswered prayer until there's no reason to pray anymore. And we do it because we have nowhere else to go. And so we trust in the steadfast love of the Lord. All right, that's our series for six weeks. Now for the practice. One of the first things I said is you see a number of times in Scripture where they begin their prayers by telling God about God. And I said there's two key components to this. Number one, it shows that you actually know God and you know how to pray. You know what to pray for. And number two, that is part of relationship. Sometimes you sit with somebody and you talk to them about them. Like, you've been so kind recently. I'm really thankful for your kindness. Right, we're telling God about God. A couple of examples. Now, what I encourage you to do is maybe write the verse down that I'm reading. You can go back and look at it yourself. And then once I get through this, you're going to have time to write your own. So here's my first example from the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah 9, 6. And just listen to how he starts the prayer. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of the heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, And gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give his offspring the land. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. Notice the entire beginning of the prayer it's all about here's who you are, here's what you've done. Acts chapter 4. We actually heard part of this in our reading, our New Testament reading. Acts chapter four, verse 24. Here's how the prayer starts. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Okay, that one's kind of similar. Nehemiah was similar, kind of talking about the creative power of God. But here's something different. I mentioned, as we said, tell God about God, that often they will quote God to God. Right, we read a prayer in Numbers where before Moses prayed, he said, God, this is what you told me. And he quotes God's own words. That's what happens here. Um, Verse 25 of Acts, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, quote, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, if you remember the rest of the reading from Acts, He goes on to say, this is what was going on with Jesus. The Jews were against him. The Romans were against him. He's he's quoting to God what God said, and then he's going to move into his prayer. Again, telling God about God. All right, here's my example, and then you're going to get your chance. So this is not going to be nearly as beautiful as Nehemiah or Peter. But this is a prayer that I have. And it's only the beginning part. It's just to tell God about God. Father, you are the stronghold of your people, the secure rock on which we stand. Your word tells us that you're our shepherd who leads us beside still waters, who restores our soul, and who brings goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. All the earth is yours, and you gave your only son because you loved us so much and you wanted to restore all that you had made. Tell God about God. So, ready? we're going to take one to two minutes, and I want you just to kind of think: Who is God? And write down if you begin to talk to Him and you're just telling Him, much like you might sit with somebody else and just say, you know, you're a really great person. Thank you for doing this or that. Um, what would you tell God? Begin to tell God about God. As you go through this part, and I know some of you are still going. That's fine. You keep writing. Um, One thing that really, really helps with telling God about God is knowing God's word. So, for example, the one that I gave you, a lot of that came out of Psalm 23. One of the things you might try doing is going to something like Psalm 23. Read the psalm, but then say the psalm back to God in such a way that you're personalizing it. You are a shepherd to your people. You lead us beside still waters. Um, So take parts of scripture and learn to reflect that back as truth about who God is. All right, number two. A second type of prayer that we talked about was confession. And confession can naturally flow out of telling God about God, and it usually does. Often when you see them confessing in Scripture, they will often begin with, here's who you are, God, and we have fallen short of that. And so they'll begin to confess out of that. So here are some confessions. Um, this is actually a continuation of the prayer in Nehemiah, He begins where we started by telling God about God. But then when you get to verse 16, he shifts into confession. So here's his confession. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey They were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies. This is Psalm 51. It's a famous psalm often used in the season of Lent. This is David confessing. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. And I love later. On, I don't love. It's, it's really sad, honestly. But but just how he gets where he says this. Um, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I mean, just bearing his soul to God. Now, here's one that you will be familiar with if you've been here any length of time. This comes out of the Book of Common Prayer, and we say it as part of our liturgy in certain seasons. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And here's an encouragement for you with that. Take that confession. And while you're by yourself at home, Break it open. When you get to um, by what we have done and by what we have left undone, what have you left undone? What have you done? Say it to the Lord Lord, I should have helped that person. I selfishly didn't do it, and I knew I should have. It was the right thing to do. Lord, I'm sorry I did that. Here's my sample. Have mercy, and by the way, um, oh no, not this one, it's the next one. Um, Have mercy on me, Father, for I have sinned. I have rejected your ways when I yelled at my friend in anger, and I didn't listen to what he had to say. I let my pride and my desire to be right overcome compassion and truth. Your word says you're a God who is always ready to show mercy and give love. Forgive me for not being the same not reflecting you in my relationships. Cleanse me that I may treat others as you have treated me and bring healing into, the, into their lives. Your turn. Our third way that we looked at for praying was thanksgiving. As part of talking to God, relating to God, having thanksgiving. And you see this in a number of places. Um, this is Psalm, oh, maybe 113, no. Um, by the way, all of these notes will be attached to the weekly email. Um, I forgot to write the Psalm number down. <laughs> I've got the Psalm, just not the number. Um, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. He's just so thankful for what God is doing, the way God has responded You see it in Paul a few times, though it's shorter. This is Colossians 1, 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. And so every time he's praying, he's saying, God, thank you for bringing them to you. And thank you, they have such a love for the saints, for the other believers, And then he does a similar thing in Ephesians 1 15, but there's an addition here that I think is interesting, and Paul seems to attach this as part of thanksgiving. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, very similar to Colossians, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that, and here's the difference Paul both gives thanks as a I'm so thankful this is happening in your life and God is doing this. But part of his thanksgiving that you're gonna see here in a minute is not only do I give thanks of what God is doing, I'm so thankful for you that I'm continuing to pray for you. Part of his thanksgiving is actually the act of continuing to pray for them, which is what he does here. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So I am so thankful you have come to faith, and I'm so thankful you have all this love. In fact, I'm so thankful for it that I keep praying for you. I keep asking God to give you more. Here's mine, and I actually did two, um, and they're short, but I wanted to show you they don't have to all be so quite high and holy. Um, So here's one. I give you thanks, God, for each of my children for the incredible ways you're shaping them and for the amazing joy of being their father. Thank you that each one of them is learning more about you. And then here's my, uh, like what Paul was doing. Draw them closer, Lord, and let them each grow up to know and love you that I might always give thanks for their relationship with you. Here's another one that's even more kind of down to earth, but... I just did something like this the other morning, and so it seemed appropriate. Um, Thank you, Father, for the breeze this morning and the quiet and the time to sit and talk with you before the day begins and the hustle of life just overcomes things. Thank you for the simple pleasure of a cup of coffee and the beginning of the rising sun. Thank you that you hold all things in your hands, and I can trust your steadfast love. Your turn. Thanksgiving. Our uh, fourth and second to last is the thing that most of us are most familiar with, petition. Um, Asking God for something or or interceding for somebody else. And I want to give you a couple of examples here as well. Um, One of them was our Old Testament reading, 1 Kings chapter 3 beginning in verse 6. And Solomon is going to tell God about God, and that will lead to a petition. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart. And you've kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child, I do not know how to come out or go in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? Notice this petition. It begins with, This is who you are and what you've done. You've been faithful to my Father, and now you've put me on the throne. Then it acknowledges something. But I'm young. I'm inexperienced. And and yet you've put me here, and so, Lord, will you give me a discerning mind? Will you help me to lead your people? Now, we go to the the New Testament reading in Acts, and we've already read the beginning again, but that beginning led to a petition. So they started by saying, God, this is who you are. They quoted, and then it leads to this, Acts 4.27. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Here it is. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So God, they're all up in arms, just like they were back then, how they were against Jesus, now they are against us, but you've called us, and so, Lord, give us boldness to speak your word and to let your power come through us. All right, here's mine. Um, This is made up, by the way. This this one isn't. I have to say that because I use names, but this isn't for any particular person. Um, Father, you have walked with your people and shown your steadfast love to every generation, and you hear the cries of your people. My friend David is in so much pain right now and losing his battle with cancer. Give his body what it needs to fight this terrible disease. Let his family and friends who grieve be filled with courage to be with John and with a sense of your presence that will carry all of them through it. I know you love John even more than the rest of us. Will you be with him now? Your turn. The last one that we're going to talk about in some ways is the most important. And it is the one that flows through all the rest of them. So if you think of, like maybe you've got a river and you've got multiple ways you could get on that river. Um, you could do a raft or a floaty or you could just swim or you could get on a log or, this is the river. Right? Everything we've talked about so far should be influenced by this. Genuine sharing. Heartfelt, genuine sharing with your Father. And, and you see this in a number of ways in Scripture. Um, Psalm 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? You don't even hear the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, I find no rest. I'm gonna skip a few verses. This is verse 14 of the same psalm. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it's melted within my breast. My strength is just dried up, and my tongue is sticking to my jaws. That's genuine sharing. There's no high and holy there. There's no like, you know, God is some distant being. God's my father. And right now, I want to know where you are because things are awful at this moment. And you don't seem to be doing anything. Help me. And here's a different kind of sharing. And I mentioned this Psalm already, Psalm 23. I mean, this is not just a poem for David. This is a heartfelt expression of how David feels. And this is a guy who was on the run for his life. I mean, Saul was hunting him down. And here's what he has. So just, just hear this as a prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil because you're with me. I mean, this is, he's sharing how he feels right now with God, and it's not formal language, and it's not, did I get it right or not? its He's a shepherd. I mean, everybody remember when we first meet David? He's out with sheep, He's sharing from his experience what it's like for him to walk with God. Genuine sharing. And then you get this. This is Jesus in John 17. Um, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He's telling God a bunch of stuff that God already knows. But there's a genuine sharing as Jesus comes to the end, and he's like, Lord, I've done the things you've asked me to do. And and dare I say, he's excited. Like, I'm coming back. I'm coming to be with you. Like, the glory you gave to me, I've given back. Now give me the, it just, he's sharing genuinely with his father. All right, so here's my example. This is the one I needed to say. Um, This is not actually about my daughter. So I wrote this, and it says daughter, but I realized afterwards um, she was going to be in here. So I didn't want her to think this is about her. Because it's like painful, kind of. It, I, I was making it up. I was trying to give you an example, but it's not about my daughter. Father, I feel lost. I don't know how to help my daughter. I've sought you in prayer for many weeks now. I've been faithful to study your word, but nothing's changing. I've been the best parent I know how to be, I've trusted you with my child, but every day I wake up hurting. Every day, the weight I carry in the pit of my stomach just grows. It feels all twisted, and it's hard to even focus sometimes, God. Where are you in this? Why will you not change this circumstance? How long am I not going to have peace? How long are you going to let my daughter continue on this path that's hurting her? I know you love her, and I know from when she was a child you called her, but Father, I don't know what to do. So I'm gonna trust in your love, but God, please, you gotta do something. Now, here's one a less dramatic. Um, again, more down to earth. Father, I have this big meeting today. I know I, should be, I know I shouldn't be nervous. Like, I've worked really hard to get here. I know the strengths I have. I also know that I've done this work for your glory. But I am nervous, God. I don't know the outcome. What if things go badly? God, I need this. I also know that you've been walking with me through all of it. And so in that knowledge, I'm gonna hand this over to you, God. I can't make it happen, but I can trust you. I always have. And though I'm struggling with it right now, you've always been faithful. And so God, here, this is yours. Take this, Father. Just share with God whatever's on your mind right now. Write something out just to share with him. When Aaron and I started the college ministry at this church, that college student, Peter, he was our first student. And what did it take, like three weeks before it was not just Peter? (laughs) We had one or two or three Sunday schools where it was Aaron, me, and Peter. That was our Sunday school. Um, Because the church didn't have a college ministry. And so we started with Peter. And I don't, I don't know that Peter ever got super comfortable praying. I don't know that he ever stopped saying just. Here's what I know. Over three to four years, God used two of us and this kid Peter, who genuinely wanted to pray and didn't know how to stop saying just, to start bringing in more and more, and more, until this college ministry had over a hundred college students in it. This entire series on prayer, it is meant to unburden you. It's meant to give you some tools. Take this home. Use it. Write some more out if it helps you. It's meant to give you some tools and some confidence in praying. It's also meant to help you see that relationship. And it's meant to make us pray. Because here's what I know, and I would never ask anybody to do this, but if I asked you to raise your hand, if you pray seven days a week, and I don't mean like over a meal, I mean you spend time praying, Very few hands would go up. In fact, if I said, Do you pray three or four days a week? Very few hands would go up because we struggle with prayer. And this series was about acknowledging that and helping us move forward, helping us see the relationship, see the direction, and today, practice. Practice praying. And then believing, even as it was. I mean, Aaron and I didn't know what we were doing. Peter didn't know what he was doing. But all of us wanted God to be honored, and God worked. So go pray and see what God will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for doing everything necessary we have strayed so far in so many ways. We've treated people poorly. We've been hypocrites. We've done mean things sometimes. Lord, we've lost the battle to anger, to lust, to greed, to selfishness and pride. And yet, you keep extending forgiveness and cleansing because you're our dad and you love us so much that you would do anything, whatever it took, to bring us into relationship with you. And so Father, my prayer is that each person here and each person who hears this series would grow in their relationship with you. And that prayer would be an enormous part of that growth. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.